Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 11. I'm Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the brand new digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. On this episode, I chat with Shane and Patty Gill, who will be selling their home and hitting the road full-time in the next few months. For some reason, I had way too much coffee before recording this, and I was super chatty. But even so, it's a great conversation with a couple that is just getting started. Let's get into the episode. All right, so now I want to welcome Shane and Patty to the show. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. How are you? I'm doing really good. Now, in the pre-interview, I was told that uh, Patty will probably do a lot of the talking, and so I'm going to engage Shane quite a bit. So All just right. know that just to help out. <laughs> now, where do you guys find yourself currently right now? Where are you guys at? Uh, we live in San Antonio, Texas right now in a 3,500-square-foot home. Nice. I'm, this is what I'm really excited about having you guys on is that, uh, you know, Spoiler alert, you guys haven't left your digital nomad lifestyle. And usually my questions are in and around people, whether they've been doing it for six months or, you know, 10 years. So I'm really excited about this because it's really still very fresh with you. And so obviously you're not full-time traveling yet, but you do own a fifth wheel and you still own a home, correct? Correct. Yes. And uh, what uh, fifth wheel do you own? It's a uh, 375 RES by Grand Design. Yeah, we actually have the same model. I know exactly where your bathroom is. Yes. <laughs> All the storage and everything. <laughs> exactly. So let's get into a little bit about where this idea came from. Where did you guys start talking and thinking about going full time? Um, actually, we've kind of always talked about it ever since we've been together. We used to camp in tents and uh, we gave that up many years ago. We were stationed in North Dakota and we bought a travel trailer there and we started discussing how one day when we retire in our 60s or 70s, you know, after we've worked all these years that we want to go full time. Um, and so it became a little more of a reality in the last year. Shane retired. Uh, how long has it been since you retired? February. February. How many years ago that was it? Like this year. That you retired. Oh, from the yeah, he did. He was retired military though, from the military Air Force. Yeah, so it was almost eight years ago he retired from the military. Then this past February, almost a year ago, he retired from his other job, and so that's when we started discussing. And now our kids are grown uh, and out of the house, so we're like, hey, let's why why don't we do it now? Let's do it now. So let's talk about that a little. I, I'm kind of the same. I waited till my kids were kind of old enough for me to take off. And it really is a great plan to stop them from coming back. Just FYI, <laughs> if any parents are worried about that, sell your home, move into an RV. They can't find you if you don't want them to. Right. Now, you guys are obviously in the process. Is When's the, the ideal launch date? Or does it really kind of depend on when the house sells? What are you guys working with? Well, our house is going to go on the market uh, April 1st. Uh, the good thing is we don't have to sell, so we're still okay, but we always stay at one campsite that we're at now from April to November, and we're there about five days a week already anyway. And so April, April 1st will be the day that we go start our full-time journey. Nice. And will you guys leave the area while it's on the market and being sold and just let the realtors handle it, or do you guys need to stay nearby? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll travel some, probably mainly in Texas, uh, until my youngest son graduates college. So we're kind of close if he needs us. Uh, but, but we will be traveling around Texas mostly. 
I will say I'm currently in Texas too right now. I've seen some of the, you know, I don't know if people have ever seen these where they have the United States basically stickers on the side of their rig and they'll place a sticker depending, you know, if oh, they spend yeah. A, yeah, a night yeah. or two. And I saw someone that had that and all they had was Texas. And I said, oh, you've been full-timing for 10 years, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is so big. Like there's so much to see here, which is really neat. Well, this is really cool. So how have you guys been processing the getting rid of stuff? I feel like I see that a lot in the groups, you know, the, the downsizing. I love that you guys are almost, it, it's like you're doing it in baby steps in a way where it's like, okay, we've done the weekend trips. Now we've got the rig over here. We spend time in the rig. We spend time in the house. But how's it been getting rid of all these things that we acquire over the years? Um, that has been actually a lot easier for me than I thought. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work for sure you know having to go through a 3,500 square foot house every drawer every cabinet every closet um but to me I don't know why it hasn't been hard to actually donate or you know have a garage sale give it away uh throw it in the trash I mean it's been really freeing for me I think it's I don't to me it seems like it's been harder for Shane but no, I don't know. Like some things, you know, it's, he's like, keeps putting it off and putting it off to get rid of or to go through. And I don't know if that's, if he, if it's, you know, harder for him or maybe he just, uh, just wants to wait to the last minute. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really, it comes down to a lot of the, the memory stuff. That's right. the hard stuff to really think through. I, I think about when I think about people that put stuff in storage, when they're putting, furniture that doesn't have, you know, really any kind of family value to it, or it's not an antique. It's like, it loses its value sitting in storage. But the idea of storing, you know, family stuff obviously makes sense. And that's always hard to go through and decide, okay, which one of the 45 finger paintings is important to keep at this, you know, like for me, that's what I had to really go through and say, what do I really need to keep of the kids stuff that they might want later in life? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been like we've had, and I think like the military uh, spouse and the military uh, had kind of prepared us for this because every time we would move a base every two to three years, we would move and we would have to do the same, go through everything, get rid of stuff, either garage sale or uh, trash it or whatever. Um, but there are things that, yeah, like you say, like anything that out the way that we kind of divided it up, is if we purchased it in the states, it was it's getting rid of. We were getting rid of it. If mm -hmm. it happened, you know, if we because we have collected items from we were overseas for thirteen years, so we have you know a boomerang or a didgeridoo from Australia. I'm not going to get rid of that. I want to keep that in storage. And antiques that we got from England, you know, things things like that. We we definitely and pictures and such. But yeah, that. That was the hard part was going through and dividing everything up. But, you know, we knew exactly what we wanted to keep. So that, that did make it easier for us. Yeah, I think you should leave the boomerang. I think those are illegal in California, to be honest oh, with sure. you. No, I, I'm not 100%, but I feel like everything. I'm from California originally. So I think everything's oh, okay. illegal now that I've been out about in the States. So it, what's is the, so once the, the youngest kid graduates college and you guys feel like, okay, now we can really kind of just, roam through is it the lower 48 do you guys have plans for alaska and even going down into mexico what are you guys thinking right now a uh, little, little of, of all of that really uh 
we we spent so much time overseas. We've seen we've seen the world except for the United States. So we plan on doing like a bunch of the uh, national parks, Grand Canyons, uh, e everywhere around. And my wife is from Georgia, so of course we're gonna go over to the East Coast for a while. Uh, but sure, uh, in the future, Alaska, maybe up through Canada, down to Mexico, is, is definitely on the on the table. What's the longest trip you guys have taken so far in the Grand Design? How long have you been away? Uh, is amount of time or traveling distance? Oh, let's do both. Yeah, so like traveling distance and then even amount of time. Uh, traveling distance is probably around six hours one way. And then uh, over time, uh, we did a like a two-week stay. Uh, we always stay at least a week over spring break, uh, Christmas time, summertime. Uh, so probably about two weeks is probably the longest at one stretch. It's still so much more experience than most of the people that I'm interviewing that have gone full time. Like just like myself, my first RV was the one I'm living in. The first time pulling something or pulling in a trailer of really any kind was pulling this 42 foot fifth wheel. And it's, it's interesting to hear from you that you're having all this experience kind of ahead of time before you leave and kind of working out some of the, the kinks, which is really good too. It probably does help with the transition a little. It definitely does. It's, uh, and, and also, I mean, I was a mechanic in the military, so I can fix a lot of the stuff that, you know, the small stuff. So the camper's not in the, in the maintenance bay in the RV USA or whatever for months. Uh, so we get to spend most of the time in it. And like I said, we're, we spend, uh, in the summertime, we spend five days a week out there already. And so we're just used to it. We love it. We've been doing it. This is our second one since we've been in San Antonio. Uh, and it's, it's just easy for us, I, I think, because we've done it so long and talked about it so long. Well, let's talk real quick, because I think this question comes up a lot in groups where it's, what should I get a class A or a fifth wheel? What brought you guys to a fifth wheel in regards to your lifestyle? Well, to me, it's, it, to me, they're easier to pull. I pulled a trailer all my life, you know, growing up with my dad, horse trailer, boats. Uh, to me, a fifth wheel trailer is just easier to, to maneuver. Um, I don't know necessarily if somebody wants to jump right into a 42-footer, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we applaud you for that, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just, that that's the only reason. Uh, we've talked about Class C. That's we, always been Shane's dream, was a Class C for some reason. Class a. Or Class A was always his dream, but... But uh, I'd have to win the lottery first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we can go to the class A, the big bust. But uh, no, fifth wheel, I just enjoy it. Uh, it's easier than a, than a travel trailer buckle pull. It's easier to maneuver in and out of some of these tighter spots. And yeah. that's why I chose it. Uh, the reason that I like the fifth wheel, uh, to me, it's the living space. I like the living space a lot better. Uh, like, you know, how our 375 is, you know, how it's set up. Uh, I like to have my kitchen where it is and then the living room, you know, I don't, we had the travel trailer and I've seen some, you know, and it's just, you know, my opinion is the way I, I just like the way that it's set up where I have my living room and my kitchen and bedroom is kind of all separate, not all in one. Yeah. And I think it is really different for different people and there really is no right answer for others, but there is a right answer for you, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I think, I, I, think, I think people ask the wrong question. They ask, what should I get? And really, they should ask, why did you choose what you chose? Because to Shane's point, you know, I'm almost 6'6". For me to buy a class A, we're talking maybe 400 grand for me to buy the one that I could actually really fit in and stand and walk around in. I wanted a class A, to be honest with you, in the beginning. And when I walked into this fifth wheel, I was like, okay. Well, actually, when I walked behind the fifth wheel and saw our little storage area, I, that's when I was like, I don't care what it looks like inside. The fact that I don't have to put my kayaks on top of the roof, 
I'm sold. And then to your point, Patty, when I walked in, I was like, this looks like a condo. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like an RV in any way, shape or form. And I think that was the, the thing that switched me from a class A was I felt like in a class A, I lived in a hallway or I would right. live in a hallway is what it felt to me. Not that there's again, anything wrong with it if you're in a class A or fifth wheel, but I like to hear from people why they picked a, a fifth wheel. Will you guys be traveling with pets or just the two of you? Uh, for now, well, yeah, until my, until my youngest gets on his own, we will have a, a dog. We have a it's my son, uh, he has a beagle, and so our youngest son, Colby's a uh, dog. But he'll be with us until Colby gets out of college and gets on his own and gets his own apartment. But that's it, we just have the beagle. Nice, that'll be fun. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, Shane, you're twice retired. I commend you for that. And both of you guys for your service. I mean, just big props and big thank you. Patty, are you still employed or what are we doing? So right now I am, I'm full time. I work for the government. I'm a, uh, I work civil service uh, GS employee and I've been doing that for about 11 years. Uh, So I won't be able to uh, retire whenever we hit the road. So what I do right now part time is I'm a part time uh, online ESL teacher. Um, so I teach English as a second language to, uh, kids, little kids over in China right now. And I'll plan to do that full time once we hit the road. Wow. That's amazing. Do you speak Chinese at all? I do not No. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's actually the first question that everyone always asks me, but, uh, it's really interesting and amazing to me how many, uh, how much English the, the Chinese kids know. So even at three years old, like I say hello and they already know hello and their name. And so, yeah, I just, all I, I, you just need to know English and that's about it really. You need, you know, you need a degree, any kind of degree and had to have worked with kids any amount of time, even just raising your own kids counts. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very rewarding. I really enjoy doing it. Well, I think I qualify for the kids, but I don't think I qualify for really understanding English. So I don't know <laughs> if, if I'd actually be able to teach it. But I do think it is one of the things that we as a country need to really start rethinking. I think a second language is important. You know, Absolutely. Especially, yeah, especially, you know, being from California and now really thinking home base in Texas. I regret not speaking Spanish. And all, all four of my kids, same mom, are all half Mexican and they don't speak Spanish. And I'm just like... Oh, I just wish I learned a second language. I think it would come in so handy, no matter really what the second language would be. It would just be really nice. So that's cool that you're doing that and that you'll be able to do that from the road. Shane, are you just going to stay double retired or do you have plans to be doing some work on the road as well? No, sir. I put in my time. I'm just going to be retired. I love that you're double retired. That makes me feel like, man, I'm lazy. I'm not even retired once. <laughs> My man has already retired twice. Well, that's really great. That's good for both of you. Yeah, we were, we've also uh, like kind of tossed up in the air, maybe doing some like camp posting as well, just to, you know, every once in a while, throw that in for a little extra, a little extra income. Yeah, I think it's it's good income. It's good experience. It obviously gets you to you know, that's the hard thing about sometimes in this lifestyle is just meeting new people, really, because we're always kind of on the go. So that'll be a fun part of it. I, I have not done it yet. I've thought about it. I just haven't put the time and energy to, you know, to locating the campground to do it at. Uh, when does the youngest graduate? Uh, he's got a year and a year and a half, year and a semester left. 
Okay, so that's plenty of time to really investigate Texas. You guys are fine. Right, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have, have you guys thought through like where you'll spend winters or, you know, that kind of stuff? Or is it just still kind of up in the air? Well, this, the place that we're at now, uh, Medina Lake, they kind of offered us uh, a winter spot also. We stay out there, like I said, from April to November already anyway. So they've, they've kind of offered us uh, from November, you know, back to April. If, if we if we need to we can we yeah. can always pick up and go somewhere and come right back to that spot it's our spot yeah that's what they've offered us right now so if it ever if it all falls through uh, at least we'll have right there at medina lake for the for the winter also that's awesome i'm trying to think of some uh some other questions because normally everyone's on the road what are what are you guys expecting as being some of your your biggest challenges especially you patty with working what are you thinking will be tough or not tough what is what is kind of some of your fears let's say uh so probably the the main thing would be uh internet mm -hmm. making sure we have uh good enough service because i when i'm teaching i actually teach on a video forum so you know i they can see me i can see them and you know you've got to have really high speed internet for that and there are a lot of um ESL online, uh, the, the company I work for is VIP Kid, and they have a lot of uh, forums, you know, Facebook groups and things like that. They have one that's just full-time RV VIP Kid teachers. So there are teachers out there that do it full-time from an RV. So at least, you know, I have that. Um, that's a great thing about RVing now full-time is there's so many people that are doing it and so many forums and different places, you know, like you guys and the magazine and the podcast and there's Facebook and YouTube, you know, all these different places to go out and find whatever you need to know about going full time. So yeah, that's a great thing, but probably, yeah, the internet service would be my biggest, I think my biggest fear or, you know, worry on the road. Yeah. And, you know, doing it almost, three years now I'll say I've had a couple spots that have been tricky when I first started doing the podcast I was doing video just so I could see who I was talking to and I just noticed it started to be a little interruptive for recording purposes I think to have conversations it's okay but the recording of it actually would get a little distorted so I think you'll be okay are you you know we're currently Verizon and AT&T we have both hotspots because there's always it seems like right, right now where I'm at, the Verizon's way stronger than the AT&T. And then we have a uh, WeBoost, they're not a sponsor, but I'll drop definitely that they, we have their setup. And then that seems to help too in some areas. Are you guys gonna go with one carrier too? What are you guys thinking? Um, I'm thinking two probably. Yeah, and the WeBoost. We, I've looked into the WeBoost also, so we'll probably have one of those before we get out too far. Yeah, yeah, we have a, a big list right now in uh, Amazon, not you know, our cart's full of things <laughs> of our, that we need before we hit the road. You know, I have a list on my phone of, okay, we need to make sure we do this, do this, do this. Um, and like our original plan was to hit the road and not, not to go and, or not to even put the house on the market until our youngest graduated. So we just decided in November, just this past November that we're changing our mind and we're going to go ahead and do it this year so we've been able to we will be had been doing this for like five months downsizing and everything so it was kind of like we've been planning it but it all came like with just within the last couple of months 
And why was the decision to sell? I've heard, you know, again, this is not, it's like the fifth wheel in class A, there is no wrong answer. Um, I've heard people say, no, we're going to keep it. We'll rent it out. We'll keep it empty. We want to, you know, test out and see if this is the life we really want to. What was, I mean, it sounds like it's a large home and for just the both of you, even if you wanted a home, it sounds like it's pretty large for just two people. But what was the deciding factor that made you say, no, we're not going to wait. There's no reason to wait. Let's go. Yeah, that was it actually. Uh, <laughs> I, there's no need. Like I said, we, we see about three rooms in this whole house. Uh, now that my oldest son is gone, we don't go in his bedroom. My youngest son is gone off to school. We don't go in his bedroom. Their bathroom, their, the other side of the house, we don't even go in. So there's no need really paying to stay out in an RV spot and pay a mortgage on a house that you're never at anyway. No, it's really true. And I think the thing for me that I've learned, I don't know if you guys are learning it, is that, you know, 10 years ago, I probably was like, I want like an 8,000 square foot home and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I've learned in this lifestyle that if I ever do build a home base again, it would be a shocker if it was over a thousand square feet. Like, I'd be amazed at myself if I did something even that big. I feel like I've learned what you're learning is that there's just, there is a lot of wasted space. And when you live in 400 square feet and you see how much space it is, really, I mean, our rigs are really spacious. Then you just start realizing, wow, I can't believe I needed such a big place, really. You know, when it's just two people, even when it's a family, 3,500 for even a family of four is really big, but seems very typical. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, that was with us always moving like every couple of years, you know, with the military, we always lived on base. We stayed in base housing, which was always so small to, to us, you know, I mean, they were always really nice and we do appreciate that we had it, but my kitchen was always so tiny and that was Every time, you know, I was like, one day I'm going to have this big old house and this huge kitchen where everybody can, you know, hang out in the kitchen and where we can have plenty of room. And then we get here and, you know, we buy it and I love it. And, but then all of a sudden it's like, what, we don't need all this room. Why do we have all this? And it takes me hours to clean the house. You know, I can clean our camper in like 30 minutes. I can like scrubbing it top to bottom, you know, so it's, it, we just, yeah, we don't need all of this space. And I, we're the same. If something happens and we did, like people ask us, why do you sell the house? Why don't you just keep it just in case you don't want to do it? But we're like you, if we did go back to living in sticks and bricks, we definitely would not have a house this big. We would go much smaller. Yeah. I really thought I would do full-time kind of forever, but in, in the last year I've been thinking I wouldn't mind having a home base where I could like you know, just even a small house in a big barn where I could pull the RV in the barn, work on it, clean it up, you know, take a couple of weeks off and then hit the road again. I think that is going to be where, you know, I'm kind of looking at, you know, kind of my future. I think that's where it's really going to be. I think travel will always be part of it, very similar to kind of life you guys are having now, but just having something that's a little bit more RV friendly or at least having guests that have RVs too, kind of, that's really what I've been thinking about a lot more. I will say my little advice with the grand design is we had a situation with our leaf springs breaking and it was over, you know, I, I probably should have replaced them. I'll say that it was a, a user error just because there were so many miles on them and those things just can't, you know, do it forever. But it was one of those things where I learned I'm keeping a spare with me at all times and you can't prepare for everything it's impossible or your rig would weigh you know thirty thousand pounds if you had an extra for everything but that was the one where it was a 30 dollar part that cost me like 400 dollars to stay at a sandusky campground at the, you know at the peak 
of when everyone's at the amusement parks. And I just happened to be stuck in that area. And I thought, yeah, that's it. Next time I'm carrying this. I like when I'm talking to newbies, as you're saying, you're, you're finding out what you need. It's so amazing with Walmart and Amazon and getting shipped to campgrounds or even state parks. You don't really have to prepare for everything. Like I think I was told you need to buy, you know, a 50 amp extension cord for when you stay at a campground that, you know, it's way past our bumper, which is longer than mine will do. I think it took almost a year before I finally stayed at a campground that had that situation. And I just drove to the local Walmart and bought my extension. So for almost a year, I didn't drag this thing around with me that I never used. And I think we as RVers are going full-time can almost over-prepare. You know, we can take the Boy Scout model a little too serious. So I think you guys are learning that. And even, you know, like I like what you said, you have this Amazon list ready to go. But I think you'll learn too, you can... Until you need it, you don't need to order it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Because, like, I'm, I'm the worst at that. I, I'm always telling you, oh, we got to have this one. We got we really need this for the, you know, we need this certain one or whatever. And he's like, no, we can wait. It's fine. But, but yeah, and, and I'm, uh, like, an addict of, uh, I want, you know, you guys, uh, on, I follow you guys on Instagram. I follow, you know, the getaway couple keep your daydream, all of these, you know, on YouTube and different places. And I see them and they're like, oh, look, you need this uh, air compressor and you need this. And, you know, and I, I know we don't need them all, but I feel like I do. But yeah, no, it makes sense. And it's nice to talk to someone that, you know, like you guys that have been on the road for a while and you can tell us, you know what, you don't really need that right now. Just wait until you do, because like you say, even, you know, Walmart and different places now, they have like a whole camping section you can just go into. And there's so many RV service centers and dealerships. Like I know where we live in San Antonio, they're almost in every corner. So it's just, it's getting so big now and so much more mainstream that, yeah, you don't have to keep it right on board just in case, you know, just because it's so easy access now. Do you guys plan on doing any uh, boondocking as well? Is that going to be something or have you been doing boondocking? I shouldn't assume that you haven't. We have not yet. I okay. want to, uh, and I think, do you want to do boondocking? If we have to. I mean, I'm not against it, but I'm not necessarily going looking for it right away. I want to look for it. I Especially like when I see pictures of you guys, <laughs> the places that you guys stay are just beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I would like to, I want to, and uh, our plan is to, you know, to get maybe either solar or uh, or a uh, a generator before we hit the road, or once we hit the road. I don't know. I'm I'm a glamper, so I <laughs> even though I grew up in the country, I like I like to have all of my stuff now. So I don't know. I I mean, it seems like even when you're uh, boondocking now, you could pretty much do anything that you can from you know a full hookup campground. Yeah, if you have a generator or solar, you're good to go. I will say that I was very, I was worried about boondocking just because of the size of the rig and, you know, the roads. The roads kind of scared me. The first time we parked on the sand in Texas, I was really worked up, like, going into it. Like, I just know that it's so costly to get towed out of those situations, you know, and that was, like, my biggest fear, and I've really had no issue. Um, Our only really weird one is the first time we attempted to go boondocking we, you know, took the coordinates, we went and we got to a road, probably about 25 miles on a dirt road, which isn't fun. And we got there and the gate was locked that allowed us to go through. So we had to like turn around. And my only regret is that I just didn't camp right then and there at the turnaround and just pull out the generator and just camp in the middle of this. It's the cover 
of the magazine. That's I just sent up the drone really quick and took a photo of that because I just thought this is amazing out in the middle of nowhere. It's a little scary too, but it's just, it's beautiful. And our best experience have been, I would say, outside of campgrounds. And I think you'll learn at times you kind of need that. It's like decompressing in a way. You're, you know, sometimes you're in campgrounds where, you know, you trip leaving your RV, you're going to smack the other person's RV with your face. We're so close. Right. And it's really kind of nice to get out there. The The Magnolia Beach in Texas, if you guys ever have an opportunity, that ground is really solid. It's almost like asphalt. And there's really no chance of like a real high tide in that area. And there is actually some asphalt parking it's a little further back. There's grass between the Gulf and you. And that's a really fun experience. And for 14 days free, you can't beat it too financially as long as you have a quiet generator or solar. And I will highly recommend doing either one. I don't have solar. It's been kind of the biggest regret that I didn't you know, bite the bullet in the beginning. But I'm also really glad I didn't because solar has changed so much in the last two and a half years too. It's a lot more affordable and it runs a lot more. So I do. I highly recommend that you guys do some boondocking. You'll love it. Or at least, you know, this is one of those arguments. Is it boondocking? Is it dry camping? The the stuff that we did at Lone Rock is technically dry camping because you're paying for it. And there are restrooms if you need them kind of a thing. But that's a beautiful first experience as well, too. And it's right there in Utah, Arizona area. You'll love it. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited to, I, I, I definitely want to try out the, you know, the boondocking because I see so many beautiful places that you can go and, you know, you're off grid away from, like you say, that's, that's probably been like our favorite thing to do is camp at state parks right now. Uh, we haven't even been to a national park, uh, this year as we plan to go to big Ben, um, that's on our list. That's one of the downsides to having such a big rig is some of the state parks and national parks, they, you know, they don't have space for us. They're just not the spots are just not big enough for our, our camper. And you know that I'm sure. So that's the, you know, at a state park or national park, you just have a bigger place to camp. There's a lot more room and you can get around, but yeah, a lot of the private campgrounds, they're almost like parking lots. And so that's why, yeah, that's why I think the boondocking or, you know, dry camping, I think is going to be I'm hoping I can get Shane on board and (laughs) we can do more of that. I think the thing you'll like too is, um, boondockers welcome is oh yeah mm-hmm. is really like i'm at a boondockers welcome spot right now it's a 250 acre ranch um, i've i stayed here in june july i've gotten to know the host the owner really well i mean i would call him basically a good friend now over the last seven months i never become a good friend of any manager at a campground i've stayed at you know right. what i mean and so that is really nice and decompressing as well i will say this that you are right that we there has been some very little issue in regards to how big our rig is in regards to campgrounds. The problem is, is the first come first serve spots. There are a lot of large rig, even pull through available. They're usually taken by someone with a pop-up tent. Oh yes. That's so, (laughs) yeah. And it aggravates me. (laughs) And it's almost like, I'm really surprised that a lot of these parks don't have a, like a 35 and over rule until the other ones are full like you like even like the handicap is handicap spots i think are until 5 p.m it's for handicap if you want to do one night so if you got there after 5 p.m and the only spot that was available was the handicap spot you can park in there even if you're not handicapped you just have to leave in the morning and i feel like a lot of these state parks and other parks need to have this 35 foot rule that if the other spots 
that aren't that are you know 35 and under or 25 or even 10 could fit in there you have to go into those spots first because that's been the bummer my advice too is what we've done is we've gone into these spots and we see the first big pull through we park there and then we walk the campground because i've had situations where i've been like oh that's a good one we'll come back we come back some small class c park there oh that's and a now, good yeah. yeah yeah it's just like once you get in and you can find a little pull through especially a pull through or if you know the back ends are going to be you know full or hard it's just one of those little things that you can do but it hasn't been as big of an issue i was the guy that put off going to you know new england basically because of all the the low bridges and there's not enough for big rigs that wasn't true at all we we ran into one bridge and you know we got to turn around and had to figure another route but that was it and all the parking we didn't have a campsite that wasn't an issue so all these little rumors that i'd heard or read or feared i just think they do it so they don't want us to go there they they want you not to do it but yeah, yeah um let's see what else i i think I think we've covered a lot in regards to kind of the, the haven't left yet, you know, and I, I made this joke in the beginning that I, I definitely want to talk to some people that haven't left yet. And I want to talk to some people that have quit the lifestyle. I went to an event in 2017 that was around, I, I can mention the event, it was the RV Entrepreneur Summit. And I met some people there within like six months, they weren't RVing anymore. And I was like, I wonder what happened? What changed their mind? Why did they stop? Because they were so gung-ho about being full-time forever. And it was six months later, they weren't doing it anymore. So it's cool to hear the perspective of people that haven't taken off yet full time and they're in this transition. So what has been kind of the worst and best thing? What do you guys, let's start with the worst. Uh, worst for me, uh, I guess would be like just going. Uh, traffic, uh, blowout on the thing, on the tires. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have a, uh, any downsides once you're, once you're got your landing gear down. I don't have any issues. What you said, it's just the getting there part sometimes. Yeah, the, and, and another, one more thing would be, and not everybody, but there are some people out there, RVN, that are just the rude people. <laughs> I mean, there's no way around it. That I don't like those type things. I think what you'll notice on the road, and I'm really careful when I say this because I was talking to someone, and like all the triggered conversations came up. There is a big difference between full-timers and weekenders. And I mean this in a lot of respect, and you've been weekenders, that in weekenders are on vacation usually, and there's a different mindset. And it's funny to me that, you know, that the people that I've ran into where there's ever been like a trash issue or a loud noise issue, it's they're on vacation, which I get. And one thing you will learn in this lifestyle, especially with state parks, is arriving on Sunday and leaving on Thursday. That is the best time to be there. I've been in these parks. I was in one right on Lake Michigan in Chicago, Illinois area or the Illinois area. And we got there. It was packed. You guys, it was a zoo. I was like, what are we going to do? It was a Saturday when we arrived Sunday around five. There was no one. There's like, I want to say 800 spots and maybe 10 people there. Oh, wow. It was so weird. But then that Friday came again and all of a sudden it's like, you know, Christmas shopping. It was crazy where I was like, Oh, there's this whole like lifestyle where they, these people, most people just use it on the weekend. And you'll, you'll see that, but you're all right. I think this is a good point too. I think everyone thinks you get on the road and life is, you know, rainbows and unicorns. There's still a lot of, you know, traveling is the, probably the most stressful part, just the idea of something going wrong. And it's obviously the drivers that don't understand that we can't stop in five feet 
with our rig. You, you need to respect us just as you would a big rig, even though most people don't respect big rig drivers. But it is the the kind of the the attitude. There are bad attitudes out there everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you just can't, you, you can't escape it really no matter where. But you will, I will tell you guys, you'll meet like the salt of the earth people too. Like if, if you ever can't meet people, pop a tire off the rig, Shane. I'm telling you, you just have people come by and they're like, how can I help you? What are you doing? How do we work on this? I pull a ladder out of my house. My neighbors never came by. That's when they all like went inside and shut the blinds. They're like, I don't, I don't want to go out there. He'll help me, help me clean the gutters. I don't want to do that. That's funny. That's true. Yeah. What, what's been the best part so far of uh, being in the RV and doing some traveling? So to me, I'm kind of the opposite of Shane. Uh, well, I mean, like mine is just getting out and meeting other people and going, um, you know, like, Shane was one time we were at a campground um, and this, and these were, you know, we were just weekenders and we still are, but we were, we had stopped and there was, you know, there was an older gentleman, he was out. And just like you said, this same example, he was out messing with his tire. And I mean, this poor guy, he probably weighed like, I don't, you know, he's just little <laughs> frail, fragile looking old man. And my husband, you know, Shane went out and he's like, Hey, what can I help you with? And, he helped him, you know, with the tire ironed and, and then we, you know, we just started talking and learned all about this guy. So to me, it is meeting other people and finding out where they're from and um, getting in the outdoors. You know, we live in San Antonio, Texas, and it's a, a big city for us. You know, we, we're not used to living in a big city. We're both from small towns. Um, so to be in this big city and we've got this big house, but we don't know any of our neighbors. We've met our neighbor on the left, on the right, and straight across, and that's it. But we don't like really hang out or talk or anything. So for us, like even just for weekend, it's nice to get out and to have an open area to ride a bicycle or run around or meet people. And yeah, that to me, that's been, and especially when we first started out here with our camper, our kids still wanted to go with us, you know, now they're grown, oh, we're boring now, so they don't want to go anywhere with us. But, you know, before they, that was our way to get out and spend time with our boys was, uh, you know, to hit the, go hit a state park and take some hikes and uh, ride our bikes and just go for a walk or whatever it might be. So to me, that's just, that's been the best part is just getting away from the, the hustle and bustle. Yeah, and I think, you know, being from Los Angeles, California, there's a lot to do in and around Southern California. But I notice in this lifestyle, I'm kayaking more than I ever did when I was in California or riding my bike more or going on hikes. Like I, the first time I did Angel's Landing, I was like, when did I ever do a hike like this before? And we have those trails. They're available. You can hike to the Hollywood sign if you want to. And I just never really did that stuff as an adult. And so this lifestyle does bring some of that out. There is the misconception that there are times where I don't leave the rig, where I'll look at my steps and it's like I took eight steps today. You know, there's those <laughs> days too, just because you're working or you're, you're doing it. But I think you will, I think you really will find a good mix of interesting people out there for sure. And if you want to talk to people, it's pretty easy. If you go to a thousand trails, you know, start working out your arm because there's going to be a golf cart going by every minute that you have to wave to. And so, you know, I, I actually refer to them as thousand golf carts now because that's it. everyone's got a golf cart that you got to wave to for sure. Well, it sounds like your highs and lows have been, you know, they are pretty traditional. And I think that's what I really want to bring out in these questions is that I think people, especially with social media today, 
people tend to just put the best out there and and our worst sometimes internet a blown tire tight mm-hmm. parking spots like if you really think about there's first world problems and then there's rv full-time problems is above that our problems are really not the same as everyone else's for sure right absolutely now currently you guys are on instagram and facebook why don't you tell people where they can find you and if you guys plan on doing any other kind of like documenting once you hit the road make sure to let people know and i'll link it all down below in the podcast notes yeah so we have a uh a facebook uh it's gills on wheels is our facebook uh so it would be facebook backslash uh gills on wheels and then uh same with instagram as gills on wheels and i am currently in the process of doing our website uh my son and i are working on building that now we've you know, we haven't hit the road yet, but I, I still wanted to go ahead and get it started and just to have somewhere I want to blog as well along the way. And so that, you know, I mean, it's mostly for my friends and family so they can go on and find us and see what we're doing. And hopefully eventually I can get Shane uh, on board with maybe doing some, a couple of YouTube videos, you know, maybe not all the time to have, you know, 200, 500,000 subscribers or whatever you know just to just to document for ourselves so that you know one day maybe our kids and grandkids can look back and say oh wow look at what my grandparents did they they lived in their camper full-time and they saw all these wonderful places and then they can go on and look and see you know what we did and where we went and mostly for documenting because I I wish now that whenever we first started out hitting you know going overseas with the military i wish that we had had something like that at the time if there were youtube or whatever and i made some videos and i could go back like now i have to dig through actual printed out photos you know (laughs) to find pictures of us whenever we went to the eiffel tower you know 20 something years ago so it would be nice that you know that if we had that back then but but we didn't so now we can start fresh whenever we start our new adventure and hopefully hopefully have a youtube channel one day i would love to look at my grandparents videos you nailed it i would love to look at my parents videos of stuff that they've done you've nailed it like that would be i think we everyone will agree they would love to be able to just go back and see what their grandparents were doing in 30s 40s 50s 60s like it just would be amazing so I think that aspect of it, and when you go into it from just a pure, we're going to document it for friends and family, and you're not worried about subs or views, and you're just doing it for that, you will really find a lot of joy in it, and it's just fun to see, and then you'll find out you're inspiring people. Shane, there's probably a ton of military guys that are like, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to travel. That's for you know, retired people that are in their 70s, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll see you and they'll see you doing it. And they'll be like, you know what? I do want to do this. There's this guy that's doing it, you know? And, and that's the fun part of it that you'll see. And if you just don't go into it with the attitude that we're going to become YouTube famous, and I, that always makes me laugh because there's people that are, they have huge followings in and around RV and they can go in an RV park and most people still wouldn't know who they are. You're never really, you know, famous in a sense, especially within YouTube. So there's no of that worry. But the idea of actually creating and documenting this adventure for you, your family and friends, and for those that need to be inspired, do it. You'll love it. It's a ton of fun. And, and don't worry about the quality of it. It always gets better. I know five years from now, that first magazine, I'm going to think it was garbage. 
I'm going to think it was pure trash. I'm just going to be like, I can't believe I put something out that bad five years from now. But today, I love it. I think it's great. I think it did really well for the first one. Yeah, no, I think you guys did awesome. It's, it's a great magazine for sure. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. I appreciate you guys sharing kind of your story. I, I hope people will connect. I hope one day we see each other on the road. We're both in Texas. We're probably only nine hours away from each other right now. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I was going to say we're in there, but who knows how far apart we are. <laughs> Well, I really do. I thank you guys for hanging out with me today. And um, again, I'll link everything down below where people can find you. And then hopefully they'll they'll catch on to your blog when you launch that. And they can hear your guys' adventures as you guys get started full-time. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks again. All right. Another fun episode in the books. Next week, I have Andrew and Brittany from Positivity Bus. And they will share how they travel with nine pets. That's right. You heard me. Nine in their refurbished school bus. Now don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast and make sure to leave a review. And if you haven't already, please head over to rootlessliving.com and grab your free digital subscription for the Rootless Living magazine. And again, if you know anyone that is living the digital nomad life that would make a great guest on this podcast, please have them email us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Thanks again for listening and hope to hang with you next week. Until then, stay rootless.